Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Uh, may your Holy Spirit just be in charge. Just uh, speak through me. Speak to our hearts, Lord, as we, as we hear your word. Bless our time together. Uh, bless us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. So my name is Brandon. I'm a deacon here. Uh, I get the privilege of bringing the word of God today. Uh, last time I got to preach, I got to carry around the sledgehammer. And I know some of you are disappointed as I am that I didn't do that today, but I did bring a sword today. So as we dig into the word, uh, let's just remember that God's here. Let our hearts be open to him. How many remember the message from last week? Pastor Bob was preaching about being stinky. (laughs) Word association, right? You're like, all right. Being the fragrance of Christ. Okay. So. My message is not the same as his. I didn't get to copy off his notes because he didn't leave them where I could find them. (laughs) So you get what you get today, amen? All right. So today we're going to talk about you, and we're going to talk about people. In the 1940s, a man by the name of Billy Graham came onto the Christian scene. He spent six decades of his life dedicated to the Lord. Now, everybody's pretty much familiar with Billy Graham, correct? Safe, safe assumption. Billy Graham shared the gospel, the word of God, with over 200 million people. That's more than the Kardashian followers have on Twitter. <laughs> and he did it all in person just like I am today. 200 million people he got to share the word of God with. Face to face. These things drive me nuts. In over 185 countries. Does anybody know how many countries there actually are in the world? It's 195. 95% of the countries on this planet, Billy Graham shared the gospel with. Okay? Because of television and radio, he actually touched about two and a half billion people over his six decades. That's a lot of people to hear the gospel from one man. Now, some of his staff says, according to a staff, more than 3.2 million people responded to the call of salvation through his messages. 3.2 million people received Jesus Christ because one man had a passion to share the gospel with the world. And you could see, because over 60 years, he was continually dedicated to sharing the gospel. Big venues, stadiums, all that good stuff. Everybody got their swords today, their Bibles? However you're handling it, open your, open your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 39. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, and I'm just going to go. It says, For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children, and for, and for all who are far away, including the Gentiles, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. And Peter solemnly testified and continued 
to admonish and urge them with many more words, saying, Be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. So then those who accepted his message were baptized, and on that day about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles, to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. So, a couple of things in there we'll we'll touch on throughout this message, but I want to point out one day, 3,000 people. One day, 3,000 people responded. And then they continued after that. They continued. It says they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, eating together, and to praying. Okay? I want to show you what God's heart is in this. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but, in, but is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance couple things I want to point out. One, he's patient. As a heavenly father, he is patient with you, with me, and to all his children. Those of us who have children understand what impatience is all about. We do. But as a Christian, we're to be Christ-like in our example, character, conduct, all of it. Christ-like. And my wife tells me all the time, be patient. When I'm about to confront one of my kids, she gives me a little pep talk. <laughs> it's needed. Don't you? It's needed. So there's no John Wayne happening when I talk to my kids. It's much, much calmer. And it's worked out a lot better. It really has. But that's how our Heavenly Father is with us. He's patient. He knows. He knows we're human. He knows we're going to screw up, make bad choices. But he's patiently guiding us, correcting us, talking to us, and waiting for us to to change. Okay, the second thing I want to point out in 2 Peter is he wants everybody to spend eternity with him. Everybody. That's his heart. That's his desire, is that everybody, everybody you walk by, everybody you see on TV, everybody you've ever heard of in the history of mankind, he wants to spend eternity with them because he loves them so much. He wouldn't have sent his son to die for you and me and everybody that's stepped foot on this planet if he did not. Because I guarantee each one of us would struggle with that choice. Uh, Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. There's a lot of scriptures today, so we're going to be running around the Bible. And Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but only those who are sick. I did not come to call the self-proclaimed righteous who see no need to repent, but to sinners to repent, to change their old way of thinking, to turn from sin, and to seek God and his righteousness. Once you have Christ, 
That's why he came, so that we could have Christ in our hearts, in our lives. And once we have him, it's on us to grow. It's on us to share Christ with those who don't. I use the Amplified because it gives little, little snippets of a little bit extra explanation. He says, I did not come to call the self-proclaimed righteous. There's been many a people I've walked past that they don't need it. They're a good person, or they think they're holier than thou, or so forth and so on. The second part is who see no need to repent. When you think you're okay, why would you change? Why would you see a need to change how you are if you think I'm good? But he came for the sinners like me, like you, like everybody else, so that we can not not be the same way that we were, but be transformed to the way Christ desires us to be. In Luke chapter 10, you guys can turn or just listen. So now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them out ahead of him, two by two into every city and place where he was about to go. He was saying to them, the harvest is abundant, for there are many who need to hear the good news about salvation. But the workers, those available to proclaim the message of salvation, are few. Therefore, prayerfully ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Those of us who have Christ need to share. We need to share what we have. Okay? Pastor Bob was talking about being stinky. He was talking about that, that, that aroma of Christ that is in your life. Are people catching it? Are people walking by you and saying, man, there's something different? It says the harvest is abundant. It's plentiful. There's many people out there. There's no shortage of people who need salvation. But what he does say there's a shortage of is what? Awfully quiet. Workers. People willing to share the gospel. Right here. We have the gospel of Christ. We have the best thing that, that has ever been on this planet. We have Jesus Christ. And we need to share Christ with the world. I was listening to the radio a couple weeks back, and I can't tell you the name because I didn't catch it. But there was a, we'll just call him an evangelist. He was ready for bed. Got in bed. Now, when you guys get in bed, do you really want to get out? Unless it's like an absolute emergency. You're all comfy, snuggly. You're good. This man realized he didn't share Jesus with anybody that day. It was as normal. He would. Downpouring, cats and dogs, like we saw the other day, just coming down. And it just ate at him and ate at him and ate at him. And he said, I got to share the gospel. I got to get up. He got up, opened his door, saw the torrential downpour. There was one man with an umbrella walking down his street. Here's my chance. Sir, you got enough room under that umbrella? Sure do. Guess what he did? 
That's right. He went out and shared the gospel with him under his umbrella. Billy Graham, over 200 million people, had the passion to share the gospel with people. This guy was willing to, to be uncomfortable to get out of his comfort zone, to go out into the rain, wet, cold, whatever, to share the gospel with just one person. Just one person. That's all he was asking for that night. Okay? Billy Graham, 3.2 million people have, have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because he had a passion to share the gospel with people. Does anybody know what 1 Peter says? 3.15? That's kind of vague, wasn't it? 1 Peter? It's like... <laughs> It's like more than one verse. First Peter 3.15. It says, But in your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives. First place in your lives. As Lord, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. When you're confronted, unless you, unless you have that heart, the last thing you want to do is be gentle and kind. As a man, you want to make your point. You want to get across. You need to hear me. So that part really smacked me in the face because I'm like, you need to tone it down when you're talking to people because it's not about forcefully persuading people. It's about gently loving people and telling them the truth. But giving him first place in your lives helps the aroma of Christ emanate from your body. They see it because you've given Christ first place in your life. And it's catching they want to know. Turn to Matthew 9, 36 and 38. There it is. Cool. It says, When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion and pity for them because they were dispirited and distressed like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Now I know there's two similar verses, but I wanted to show this part where he says he saw the crowd and he saw that they were dispirited and distressed. You ever look somebody in the face and go, wow, what's happened to you? I can guarantee you we've all walked by somebody who looks hopeless, who looks like they have no direction in life. Again, we are that voice. We are the vessel that gets to take Christ to the world. It's not whether there's an opportunity or not. It's whether we have that passion and that drive to share the gospel with people. Amen? All right. I want to share another verse with you since it's customary to go out of the Bible. Luke chapter 15, verses uh, 4 through 7. Now, this is when Jesus is talking about the parable of the lost sheep. You guys familiar with that one? Yeah, pretty common. Verse 4, it says, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, 
does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost, searching until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he gets home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. You guys fathom what heaven rejoices over when one comes? So I've tried, so I'm going to ask the young lady back there to, to play it. when one comes to Christ but magnified one comes to Christ all of heaven rejoices over one when you came to Christ heaven was roaring when each one of you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you got that kind of reaction in heaven because they know what you just escaped can you guys fathom what you escaped I've been trying this for many years, and and I've come up with a, hopefully it's a relative one. So I'm going to ask you, close your eyes. You're seven years old, okay? You're at Grandma's house. She says, go down to the basement and grab me a jar of canned whatever she likes to can. And then come back up. But don't forget to shut the lights off when you're down there. How many steps did you skip over getting to the top? (laughs) Everybody becomes an Olympic hurdler when that light shuts off at the bottom of the stairs. Now, does anybody stand at the top and they look back going, all right, I made it. That's what happens when one comes to Christ. They escape grandma's basement and now they're safe. Because their Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, has them in the palm of his hand now. How awesome is that? So, I brought up these numbers because I wanted to hear what our church sounded like when we heard one came to Christ. 3.2 came to Christ. A million, that is, not people. 3,000 came to Christ. Are we as the people church excited when we hear that one escaped grandma's basement? Or are we just like, eh? I was talking with a friend of mine last week, and we were just kind of talking about the condition of the world and stuff. It's funny how that conversation can gradually come up. And we were talking about the church and how society is and how the church is in that society. And he made a good point. He says, you know, we've become kind of soft. We've become kind of soft in our, in our stance, in our willingness to, to do what Christ has called us to do because it's uncomfortable. Are we willing to be uncomfortable 
for one, when all of heaven rejoices over the one? Can we? Do we see that as an importance? Can we look at one of our friends and who doesn't know Jesus Christ and say, you're, important, you're more important than my comfortableness. Let me share the gospel with you in a respectful, loving way. Do we have that drive as a church? Each one can only answer that for themselves. I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 42 again. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles, to the fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. Now, when Pastor Ray was here, did you not get the word of God every, every week? Yep. How about Pastor Bob? Every week? Word of God. So this church has that. Word of God. Every week. Okay? So the instruction of the apostles, the word of God, we bring that every week. Because that's the heart of this church. Fellowship. This church has small groups that are a great place to get connected, to get to know people on a smaller level. Okay? This isn't going to be a size small group and this be another small group because it'll be hard to get to know each other. But they're little groups of people that care enough about each other to ask, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? What can I pray with you about? What do you need a smack in the face for? <laughs> okay, women's night of worship coming up. You ladies have been pretty faithful about getting those together. Okay. Men's breakfast, which ties into the next one as well. Men getting together, challenging each other, pushing each other to grow closer to Christ. Hopefully we're doing that on a daily basis. Eating meals together. Okay, men's breakfast. How about just inviting somebody over? How about that? Hey, come over for dinner. No expectations, no longevity of preaching before you get to eat. Just having that, that care. And I'm not just talking about your friends. I'm not talking about the people you already know and that love you no matter what. I'm talking about the people you don't know. Okay? Because if we can't do that or won't do that here, are we going to care enough about the people outside of our circle to go do that with? And then prayers. Tuesday nights. Prayer. Here. Open to anybody. Now, I'm not sure if they do it on Wednesdays anymore. Dana gave a thumbs up. Wednesdays from 12 to 2. Doors are open to prayer. If you can make it, make it. If you can't, that's fine. But the church here is growing into what God wants us to be. Not that we aren't. That's not a shot at our church. What I'm saying is we have things here for you to be a part of. Okay? If you're not in a small group, get in one. And one of your biggest complaints will be time. I have no time. You make time 
for what's a priority. I guarantee you. You will push your kid down to get to be able to watch that football game. <laughs> I've done it. <clears throat> what's important to you shows. Make God a priority in your life. As it said, make God first in your lives. Because nothing else matters if you're not doing it with Christ. Nothing. I don't care how good at sports or academics you are or whatever. It doesn't matter. Having the heart of Christ and reaching people for the lost. Remember, Jesus said, I came for the sick, not for those who are already well. Millions and billions and trillions of people out there need Jesus Christ, and we have it. Do we have the passion to share it, the desire, the willingness to be uncomfortable to share the gospel with people? Uh, I mentioned Billy Graham earlier, and he, uh, here's a quote from him. He says, when wealth is lost, nothing's lost. When health is lost, something's lost. But when character's lost, all is lost. When we lose our focus on Christ and us and who he wants us to be, it's lost. Everything. What's the point? What's the point of coming here every Sunday if we're not going to do anything with it? What's the point of, of being here, worshiping God together, which I love to do, and I love hearing you guys do it. What's the point if we're not going to do anything with it? If we're not going to invite women to the, nights, to the nights of worship, people that don't know Jesus, hey, you're going to love this. Just come check it out. Give it a shot. It's not up to you to make them, but it's up to you to invite them. It's up to you to be Jesus to them. Ladies and gentlemen, when, when we do that, and I know I've said this before, but we become a huge impact in our community. And the ripple effect from the people church and other churches that, that have the heart of Christ will continue to grow as we continue to grow. The grow classes that, we, that are coming up, if you haven't been, be a part of them. Why? Because it will never hurt you to learn more about Jesus Christ. It will never hurt you. But that opportunity and what you can then take out into the, your community, that's priceless. And like Dana was sharing, the lives that are touched from just a little small act of providing finances, I believe that, that if we have that heart of Christ to where we want to share and desire to share and be, become uncomfortable with that, when we get to heaven, there's going to be people running up to you left and right going, I know what you did. Thank you. Because of your heart, that is to be like Christ's heart. We have people that stand in the back during worship times. that are just there to pray. I've asked a couple to pray now because why not? Throughout the whole service, they've been praying. Because it's God who answers prayers. 
And as we continually and faithfully pray, he's going to answer them. So I'm going to ask you, church, do you have the heart, the passion, the drive to become uncomfortable, to change, to become more like Christ and less like yourself? And that's something only you can answer. We can all nod yes. We can go, yeah, woohoo, cheer and shout. But God knows the truth. And I'm not saying it's not the truth, but I'm saying God knows. We can put on a front. We can have that mask on where we say, yeah, I'm great. Things are good. I love people. I love Jesus. But he knows just how much. So I ask that to you, and that's something you you to pray about and continually ask yourself on a daily basis. Do I love Jesus enough or more than myself to make myself uncomfortable for those people? There's some pretty ratty people out there. You look at people and you're like, I ain't going near that guy. It's just how it is. But they need Jesus. Because the alternative? Eternity. Without God. And whether you believe it or not, that's what the Bible says. Eternity. Without Christ. Torment. Pain. Suffering. All that bad stuff. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. And they'll be here. And they'll be here for you. If you want prayer in any area of your life, come up here. Get yourself ready. Get yourself right. Because God has a purpose for you. Could be in the smallest of conversation or the longest of relationships. But there's a purpose. There's a reason. And somebody needs to hear Jesus, and you have him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the word that you've, that you've just shared. And I pray, Father God, that we all examine our hearts right now, this day, and the every day coming forward. That our hearts be more and more and more like you. That we, we, there's less of us and more of you in our lives every day so that we can share Jesus with those who don't have him the sick, the lost. But Father, if we aren't healthy, we can't spread health. So I pray, Father, that that we just break down any barriers that are keeping us from growing closer to you and deal with every area of life that is hindering us from you. Father, there is a lot of people out there that need to know you, and I pray that you send the workers. You press on our hearts, Lord, on a daily basis that desire to go share the gospel with people. I pray over this congregation as they get ready to head out, Lord. Be with them continually. Uh, just have your peace over them, Lord, and, and direction and guidance. In Jesus' holy name, amen.